Good morning and greetings in Christ's name to each one here this morning. It is good to be with you here this morning. I feel like we've been a little bit in and out here. Um, I've missed a couple Sundays and um, probably a few more coming up that we won't be here throughout the summer. But it's just always good to, to come back home to you all. I don't know about you, but sometimes a, a phrase or so sticks out in a song. And that last song, the, the title, and I think it was the first line, Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all. Is that what Jesus is to you this morning? And then the prayer at the end of that song, I think it was on every verse, Oh, make me love thee more and more. Is it our desire to love God more deeply? every day. I trust it is. This morning, as Matt mentioned, it is Father's Day. I'm going to say Happy Father's Day to each one of you fathers. I don't know what you're expecting to hear this morning. Comment was made. I preached the Mother's Day message here about a month ago. And comment was made that, uh, to my wife, I think, that it seems like sometimes we, um, just in my own words, butter up the, the women on Mother's Day, and then we come to Father's Day, and we just kind of are hard on the fathers. And uh, that's not my goal this morning. I don't want to come and be hard on you. I think probably every one of you realizes, I realize, and probably every one of you as men realize that you have things you need to work on as a father. You realize that you are not perfect fathers, and I don't have to stand here telling you that this morning. Um, we want to be open to, to hearing those things, but I just want to, to be an encouragement to, to each one of you as fathers here this morning. I believe that we have men here in our congregation who you love your families, you're caring for your families, and uh, you're doing your best for them. And I, I just want to bless you in that. It is appropriate to have a special day to honor fathers. Actually, it, it's something that should be done every day to honor fathers and mothers, and I believe it's, it's appropriate to have a special day set aside. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, we read, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So just uh, kind of in, in opening here, thinking of honoring fathers. Honor thy father and thy mother. You know, fathers are the God-ordained leaders of the family. In Ephesians 6, 4, we read that fathers are to bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I think we could say that fathers are called to stand between God and their children, God and their families. 
decisions for the children, decisions for the family, rest on a father's shoulders. And as I think of honoring, of, of fathers receiving honor, I, I think of that, you know, sometimes um, maybe teenagers kind of look forward to when they get big and they can make their own decisions and when they can kind of get out from under the wings of dad. And um, yet I believe that we are called to continue to honor our parents to honor our fathers as long as we live. And it doesn't mean that we're always going to go back to dad and um, do exactly what he tells us to do. But I believe, and especially where we have godly fathers, that we will continue to go back for advice and to, to consider what the, the father in our, our life would advise us. And I also want to say that I believe that mothers can tremendously impact their children in honor of their fathers, or could I say even against that honor. But there is a, a strong impact there that mothers have on the family. Men long for that respect and that acknowledgement from their wives. And they're encouraged by submission and appreciation for them. We as men feel that from our, our wives. And I believe it's designed that way, that we feel that for a purpose, because of our responsibility as leaders in the home. We were in Ohio the last, uh, about a week and a half. Um, been home for a few days now, but while we were in Ohio, we were uh, made aware of a situation where, and this is a, it's a godly home, but a situation where the wife has a hard time accepting decisions of her husband. And, you know, there are differences in the way that they were brought up. Uh, one, I would say, is probably, yeah, would be from a more conscientious family. And the other maybe does a little more what makes sense. Uh, you, you think through things and you do what makes sense to you. And um, it's not necessarily a bad situation there, and yet the, the wife has a hard time accepting and appreciating some of those decisions that her husband makes. Some acceptable, some normal things uh, may seem wrong to her, and he doesn't have her affirmation. I can't help but wonder how, if that continues, how will the children be affected? 
as they grow up? What will be their view, their honor of their father or their honor of their mother? And I don't have the answers for that. But I believe that that even when there are um, disagreements, differences that they can be worked through and that the wife can rest in the decisions of her husband. And in that, she can honor him and she can show honor to her children. Doesn't mean that we'll always agree with the father or the man that is in our life, but it is important that we choose to honor that uh, leader, that authority within our lives. In Genesis chapter 22, we have that familiar account of Abraham and Isaac going to Mount, one of the mountains of Moriah. And I just want to read the first 14 verses there and look at the, the honor and then also uh, want to go on from there a little bit in another point of the message. Genesis 22, 1 through 14. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, my father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, 
And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. As we see Abraham and Isaac leaving the other men, the servants, and they head up the mountain for that offering, we see some relating between Isaac and Abraham. Isaac asked about the offering didn't make sense to Isaac that there was no lamb, that they weren't taking a lamb along. I'm sure it didn't make a whole lot of sense to Isaac either when he was tied up on that altar and his father was holding the knife over him. I think we could say it would appear like Abraham didn't know what he was doing. Isaac could have felt that way. And yet, he came under his father. He submitted. He honored him and allowed him to, to do what God had told him to do. Isaac asked honest questions, and he accepted the answers of his father. He didn't argue. He didn't fight back. Now, yes, we understand Abraham was not a perfect man. He was a righteous man, though. Not all fathers are righteous like Abraham. And yet God has called us to honor fathers and he works through them. Each one of us as imperfect fathers. I want to consider as fathers spending time with our families. You've uh, probably, most of you, maybe all of you have heard that little saying that love is spelled T-I-M-E. So we put away our spelling class and all that we've learned about English. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. And you can uh, take that how you will. Um, there are some other aspects to love than just spending time. But time is very important in showing our love, being there for our families. And I suppose if I would come around and ask each one of you as fathers, uh, do you feel like you spend enough time with your families? Um, 
If you're like me, you'll probably squirm a little bit. Um, I think we all probably would like to spend some more time with our families, feel like we should spend some more time with our families. Um, as I was together with, with family um, last, I think it was this, this past week that I talked to, to some of my brothers about um, challenges, like the biggest challenge that they would find in, in being a father. And uh, a couple of them would have mentioned about spending enough time with them. I see Abraham here in uh, this passage here. And it's, it's not usually the way we would spend time with our families, the, the mission that they were on. But Abraham was spending time with his son Isaac here. He was taking a trip with him. He was spending time with him, and he was engaged with him. Isaac said, my father, there was discussion happening. Abraham said, here am I, my son. He asked the question about the lamb. Abraham pointed him to God. He took that time to teach him. And then in verses 13 and 14, after the lamb had been shown to Abraham and Isaac, Abraham and Isaac worshipped together. It says here that, I think it says here that Abraham went and burnt him as an offering. Uh, in, in verse 5, it talks about how they were going to worship. He and Isaac were going to worship. They were together. Now, I think of Abraham being with his son, spending time with his son Isaac here. And we look back in the previous chapter, 21, I don't have the verse right here, maybe verse 14, but where Isaac sent Ishmael away. Okay, and there was a difference in Isaac and Ishmael where they, where they um, did end up then. I also think of Jacob and his sons. And maybe we could, maybe I'm reading between the lines a little bit and influenced by a storybook a little bit, but it would appear that Jacob was there for Rachel's sons. But where was he for Leah's sons? And what was the difference there? Uh, we know that there was evil report of Joseph and Benjamin's brothers. And you know, we don't have all the answers of the whys for the decisions of children. Each child, each person as they grow up, they have their choices to make. And uh, even with the same upbringing, there, there are differences of choices in some children. Um, I just think of, of within my own family, among my siblings, that there have been differences of choices. There have been some disappointments in how choices have been made. Going to Malachi chapter 4, 
It's the last book of the, of the Old Testament, Malachi 4 is, and I want to look at the last verse. So the last verse of the Old Testament, verse Malachi chapter 4, we'll begin reading at verse 4. It says, Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb, for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And then in Luke chapter 1, we won't turn there, but it, um, it speaks of, I believe it was a prophecy um, um, in relation to the birth of John the Baptist, that he was, would be turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. Now, this is prophecy, and we, we can take these verses figuratively. Uh, I'm not sure I, I totally understand them. But I think we can also look at this literally, too. That it is God's desire that the hearts of the fathers be turned to the children. And the hearts of the children turn to their fathers. He desires that relationship. Satan has a heyday getting between fathers and their children. And that's not only in the world, that also happens in the church. Satan wants to get between that relationship. There are bad relationships, there are broken relationships, and even fathers totally missing from their children's lives. That is all too common in our world today. And I believe there's a reason for that, that, that Satan so wants to get between those relationships. It's because a godly father is a picture of God to a child. And Satan's goal is to mar that picture. I was thinking we have pictures on our, our uh, one wall. Uh, anyways, maybe several walls. One wall for sure in our home. And um, actually pictures of some of you all. Uh, but if you take a picture and you give it to a child, a, a young child, likely that, chi that picture will get folded. It might get scratched. It might get written on. But that picture will get marred. It won't be the nice picture like we like to have on our walls. And that's Satan's goal, is to mar in a child the picture of God. And if he can get between the relationships of a, a father and the child, there is a scratched, there's a twisted, there's a, a distorted picture of who God is. There was an article a couple years ago in the KMF Messenger and maybe some of you remember it. Um, Brother Nate had used it in a, a message at Millmont one time. He read that article. I'm not planning to read it, but just referring to it here. It was entitled, Dear Dad. And it was written by Frank Reed. And the first line of that article said, Dear Dad, where are you? 
And basically, he's, he's pointing out of the many young people that he has worked with, that he has been there for, that he's listened to their hearts. And he has done some of what the father was responsible for, but was not taking his place. And this article is calling fathers to be there for their children. A cry to seek the hearts of their children. Again, I say fathers are called to stand between God and their children. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. God said about Abraham in Genesis 18 verse 19, he said, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. God knew that Abraham would stand between him and his children, that he would be there for them. Fathers, your children, our children, need us as fathers. Sometimes you may hear a, a person who seems to have, have it figured out, to have all the understanding. Uh, maybe this is just me. I seems like people know how to talk about being a father and how to be a parent and... and um, well, yeah, I can, can probably agree with it and but maybe feel a little bit in the dust and like maybe I don't know all the uh, technicalities and the ins and outs. Maybe we hear a little bit more of that when, when uh, young men don't have children yet. Uh, but anyways, that aside, your children need you. You may not know everything about how to be the perfect father. You may not um, understand all the technicalities, but your children need you. They need your time with them. They need your love. They need your affection and care for them. Proverbs 23, 24 says, the, right, the father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. And it takes a tremendous investment of time to, to, to end up with that. A righteous child, a wise child. And even with that tremendous investment of time, it is not a guarantee. Again, each child has their choices to make. But I, I can, Brother Lamar talked about a garden this morning, and I, I compare it to a, a garden here. How you, we, we planted a garden this spring. Stephen planted a garden yesterday. And you want to end up with a nice garden. It, it feels good to, to walk out of the house and to look at the garden, and there's nice straight rows of beautiful green vegetable plants 
corn, beans, tomatoes, whatever it may be. But you know, it takes work to keep it that way. If you just go plant and that's it, expect the crop to come, you're, you're going to have a weedy and an ugly garden. And, I don't know, probably your crops will suffer too. As we consider time spent with family, uh, my mind goes to things that my father did uh, when I was young uh, as a family, things that he did with us. And one of those things, uh, we didn't do it often, but occasionally we would go fishing as a family. And uh, we, would, we would rent a boat at the lake and, and just have an enjoyable time as a family in, in that. My mind also goes to my first squirrel hunt, at least the first one that I was carrying a gun. My father took at least several of us boys down to the woods and, um, I don't know, that's probably over 25 years ago. And uh, may seem like a small detail, but Dad was there. I remember that. My dad took us boys swimming um, fairly often, I would say. Um, and he generally didn't swim. I remember one time he did, but he came along. He took us, and uh, he was there to watch out for us in case we needed help. Enjoyable things that we did. I also remember um, my dad helping us boys. Uh, he, I don't know if he headed it up or one of the other boys did, but helped us to repair uh, the roof on the old barn where we boys kept our pets. And, you know, these things showed that dad cared about us. He cared about our interests. He cared about the things we enjoyed doing. As I got older, I had the privilege of working with my dad on the job, and that was valuable experience that I, I don't regret. The only, probably about the only regret I have in that is I didn't stick with him longer than I did. And I'm sure that each one of you has ways that you enjoy spending with your family. Um, just a, a couple different things. Uh, one I think of is, is working together, is good ways to spend with your family. Uh, whether it's gardening or yard work, things around the house. Maybe it's uh, maintenance, home improvement projects. Uh, that can be, it can be valuable experience for the children, but it's also valuable time together. Uh, possibly service projects where um, you go to help other people. I, um, we didn't make it to the woodcutting for Betty Ann uh, last winter, but um, different ones of you fathers went to help cut wood, and um, I suppose that at least some of you took children along to help on that. Um, another thing, as I think of, of working together, spending time together, uh, may include cutting back hours on the job. And I don't know all of your situations and um, your needs, but um, as men, we tend to, to find our work to be important. And we find a sense of fulfillment in that and in providing. And 
yes, sometimes it's just valuable just to cut back in that work um, as we're able to and as our, our family to be there for our family's needs um, and spending time with them. <clears throat> Involve them in your regular work around the property, but also it's good to involve yourself in their work. Um, and I'm, I guess I'm thinking uh, in the household work that they have to do, like washing the dishes and folding the laundry and things like that. And as you work with your children, this is a, a real challenge to me, but allow them to help, even though it may take a little more time. <clears throat> Sometimes if you're hammering a nail in, it's just easier and quicker just to hammer it in. But you know what? It's okay if it gets bent and you have to pull the nail and start over. Often as I think of spending time with family, I think of the fun things that we like to do together, the recreation. And um, I did mention some different things that would have fallen under that category that I enjoyed doing as I was growing up. And I have things that I enjoy doing, things that are my hobbies. They may not get done very often, but sometimes the hobbies that we have as men, the things we enjoy may not be the things that our children enjoy as much. And the challenge to me and that I give to you is to connect in the things that they enjoy doing. Even if it's not your first choice. And I think it was Brother Jeff mentioned something the other Wednesday evening, if I'm not mistaken, but about something that his family enjoys doing. It's not as big a thing to him, but he does it sometimes. They enjoy doing it, so he, he does it with them. And that is very meaningful and worthwhile to children. As you spend time with your family, connect with them. Focus on them. Be engaged. I know for myself, it's easy to be with my family, but my mind may be off somewhere else. And, um, and I'm not really connected. And I, I, for myself, a challenge, and for you too, is to put your heart into what's going on with your family at the moment. In spending time together, another important aspect of that is talking together. And you know it can be just about their, it can be just about life in general. But it can also be about spiritual encouragement to them. Um, discussing things as a family, whether it's discussing spiritual things or discussing just the things of life. Discussions around the table. Discussions in family devotions. That's one thing that I, I want to work on more is not only having our devotional time, but discussing it, applying it. And also, one-on-one -on -one talks with our children. Just things that they're facing, things that they're going through, um, things that we need to prepare our children for. And I think of 
of preparing them for adolescence and then preparing them for, for um, moving on in life, um, taking time, those one-on-one -on -one talks. I'm also reminded of the time, times my father spent just helping me through things in my own life. And some of those things probably seemed quite small to him, insignificant, and yet he took the time. He patiently listened and advised me in things. Sometimes it may interfere with our much-needed rest at night. It may go into the night. But as I was thinking of, of talking with our children, my mind went to the verses in Deuteronomy there about talking, telling, teaching children. Um, I'll just quickly look those up here. Uh, Deuteronomy 11, and they're kind of repeated several times through De Deuteronomy. But Deuteronomy 11, verses 18 and 19 says, uh, Therefore shall ye lay up these, these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And then verse 19, And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates. Speaking when thou sittest in thine house. When you walk by the way. When you're lying down. When you're rising up. All times are convenient times to talk to our children. Are appropriate times to talk to our children. Shouldn't wait for just the perfect time. Just a verse in closing here. And I think here that Paul is, is talking about, when he uses the word fathers here, he's talking about spiritual fathers, about um, men who who rise up and are there for others, are there to hear their hearts, to touch their hearts. But I think we can apply this to, to fathers of their own children as well. It says, For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. And, and I just think of in relation to the article that I referred to, um, Dear Dad, where are you? Where are the fathers? May that be a challenge to you and I. Where are the fathers? Are you and I men? And yes, I, I know. We're, we're not perfect. We have our failures as fathers. But can we commit to being there 
for our children. To hear their hearts. To connect with them on a heart level. To speak into their lives. And to to point them to point them to God, the Heavenly Father. I just want to bless each one of you as fathers here today. I believe that that is our goal, to be real men, to be real fathers. And I believe that as we have that goal, it's not an unattainable unattainable goal, but it is a matter of laying down ourselves and placing our family in in the proper place and um, just a, a willingness to give ourselves for our families. And I just want to encourage you to go and to um, to continue being the father that God has called you to and continue faithfully in that work. Let's kneel for prayer.